When looking for an investment opportunity that gives you more of everything it takes to help you succeed, from reservations, property support, marketing, technology, and more, you'll find what you're looking for with Choice Hotels Canada. Welcome to Checking In, the podcast that looks at the people, the issues, and the trends shaping the dynamic and exciting hotel business. We sit down with leaders, hoteliers, and industry experts as they share best practices, highlight smart solutions, and discuss strategies for growth, ultimately helping hoteliers better understand and affect positive change to grow their businesses. Now, here is your host, editor, and publisher of Hotelier Magazine, Rosanna Kyra. Today, I'm pleased to welcome Tim Reardon to Checking In. Tim is the GM of Sheridan Centre Toronto Hotel, a position he's held since 2017. He's had more than 24 years of experience in the Starwood and Marriott family at properties such as the Sheridan Fort Lauderdale Airport Hotel, the Sheridan Atlantic City, the Weston Harbour Castle, the Sheridan Gateway Hotel in Toronto International Airport, and the Meridian King Edward Hotel in Toronto. As GM of the Sheridan Centre Hotel, Tim is a highly motivated leader who prioritizes his team's personal and professional development while ensuring the hotel's daily operations run smoothly. He's known for strategically driving revenue, associate satisfaction, and guest metrics during the tenure at each of the hotels he's worked at. Tim is very active in the tourism community, where he is chair of the board of the Greater Toronto Hotel Association, and he sits on the boards of Destination Toronto, Chêne de Rotisseur, Skull Toronto North, and is a member of advisory councils for both George Brown College and Seneca College. He's also a member of Marriott's General Manager Advisory Council. Good morning, Tim, and welcome to Good morning. Thank you. How are you doing today? Doing fantastic. Thank you for asking. Great, great. Well, I want to thank you for making time to come on checking in this morning. I know how busy you are in a regular uh, in a regular schedule, and I know as we get into the summer season shortly, it'll be even busier. Um, but I wanted to start off by congratulating you because I know you recently won the GM of the Year for both Sher- uh, Sheridan and Marriott family um, for across North America. So what a great recognition and uh, well-earned and well-deserved, so congratulations. Well, thank you. And, you know, it was a, it was a surprise. Uh, I was not expecting it at all, but uh, it was an honor. It was a pleasure. Um, and, you know, it's not lost on me. I know my name got called that evening when they uh, acknowledged me for the award, but uh, there's a lot of people and uh, a lot of other uh, names that go behind that here at the hotel, of all 800 associates. So that's not lost on me, but it was very much an honor. Well, as I said, it's very well-deserved. So thank wanted you. to acknowledge that. Um, so, so let's talk a little bit about your role. I mean, in your bio that I that I just read out, you've obviously worked at various properties across North America, and the Sheridan is a pretty iconic property in Toronto. It's been around. It celebrated its 50th anniversary last year, which was pretty amazing. Um, and as I said, it's an iconic uh, property. A lot of people in the industry have come through that property at various times, uh, and I know that um, you're responsible for a lot. But I wondered if we could maybe start with a little bit touching on your role at the hotel and um, and how the last few years have impacted you in terms of what you've done at the hotel during that time. I know you went through a big renovation. So let's just talk about your role at the hotel uh, briefly, and then we can get into some of those other topics. Yeah, um, well, as general manager, uh, I think, you know, it's we're responsible for everything. 
uh, you're responsible for sales, revenue management, operations, finance, you name it, uh, we're, we're responsible for that. But, you know, I think where I'm very fortunate is I have some of the most um, dedicated, dynamic leaders that I've ever worked with uh, here at the hotel. So it makes the job very easy when you have great people around you. Um, and it's been a, it's been a, an amazing experience here at the hotel. You're right. There's been a lot of icons of our industry who have come through this hotel. Um, and we are, you know, synonymous with Toronto. So to be at the helm is something that I'm, I'm very fortunate to have. Um, in the past, you know, since I've been here in the past six years, it's been an incredible experience. Um, when I first got here, uh, we started talking about doing the renovation. And, you know, I, I, as I look back to be part of conceptualizing and then design and then actually doing the construction and then reopening the hotel, uh, I've never been able to do that from start to finish. And so it was a, a very interesting uh, thing to be part of. And of course, you know, we had the pandemic kind of thrown uh, in the middle of that. So it made it even more of an interesting experience, but it was, it was, it was great. Maybe we'll talk a little bit more about what we've been able to do here at the hotel. Sure. And um, it's hard to believe, actually, you, you say that six, you've been there six years. And I remember yep. when you moved to that property from the Harbor Castle, hard to believe it's six years first off, but um, interesting that that much time has gone by. And we talk about the size of the hotel. It's actually one of the bigger ones in Toronto. Um, can you tell our, re our listeners just how many rooms the hotel has and how many staff you're responsible for? Yes, yeah, so we have 1,372 guest rooms. Um, we have 130,000 square feet of meeting space, uh, and we have 800 associates, over 800 associates that work here in the hotel. And so, you know, a, size, a hotel of our size, uh, we have the largest meeting space outside of a convention center in the country. So it really puts us in an interesting uh, position um, and makes our hotel very dynamic. You know, our location is great. It's right in the middle of the city. So, you know, I was talking with customers last night, and I said, you know, if you walk one block in any direction, you're going to find whatever it is you're looking for, whether it's shopping, whether it's to go to a game or whatever you need. Uh, our location really is in the center of it all in Toronto. And so I think being part of that, we want to really reflect Toronto um, for everything it has to offer from the great uh, food and beverage culture it has to our diversity and everything in between. We want to be reflective of our, of our great city. So, um, you, you mentioned the number of rooms, uh, which I always obviously knew was one of the larger properties in the city, but I wasn't aware that it has the most convention space outside of the, con you know, the convention center, which is, is pretty amazing. So how many conferences and conventions do you host through the year? Uh, many, <laughs> lots and lots. And, and you know what, for us, it's, it, we have a lot of large space, but you know we do everything. We do everything from a, a meeting of five people to a convention of two to three thousand people. Um, and what makes us um, really unique is that we can deliver no matter what size group we have and what the purpose of the meeting is, whether it's a social event or it's a business meeting, we can really be flexible and fluctuate between whatever that trip persona is to really deliver on the experience. And that's important. And you know what? We have some great, uh, again, some great uh, associates that work in the hotel that are, this is this is our life. This is our profession. And they do an amazing job doing that. That's great. And you have wonderful staff, as you mentioned. So, so that's fabulous. Um, so, Tim, I remember when the pandemic hit, obviously, it impacted all the hotels across the country. And I remember your hotel specifically, I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, closed down for much of that time, the first year I'm talking. Um, and you decided to, I mean, your renovation, I'm sure, had been planned, but you decided to close down entirely and focus on that renovation, if I'm not mistaken. Can we talk a little bit about 
what fueled those those decisions? Obviously, we were living through one of the most precarious times in history for us. Uh, but what fueled that? And it actually maybe turned out to be a good thing for you that you were able to close down instead of doing it in sections. So can we talk a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah. So yeah, we did start planning the the and it's it was much more than a renovation that we were what we were aiming for. This was a repositioning and a reimagination of what our hotel was all about. And so when we started the planning for it, um, you know, the the Sheraton brand at the same time was doing some reconceptualization. And so we were able to really capitalize on that and made a decision to fully embrace that uh, redesign from the brand perspective and bring it into our space. And so as we were planning this, obviously the pandemic hit and we literally, and we weren't unique to this, we literally saw our business evaporate overnight. And we were probably the first to be hit, the hardest to be hit uh, when the pandemic uh, came about. And, you know, it was, it was a very tough time. You know, you had to, people were not working from new, through no fault of their own. Um, and we were just trying to figure out which way was up and what the what the recovery was going to eventually look like. But, you know, through that, we decided to close for about 10 months. So in December of 20, we closed uh, for 10 months. And what really fueled that was, let's get some of that big noisy work that is really noise intrusive for our customers and for our associates, um, like what we the work that we did in our motor court in our lobby space. And we really wanted to accelerate that process so that we could get back when business returned, we could reintroduce what we were, what we were aiming for. And so it was a very tough decision. The hotel had never closed in its 50 years. Mm. Um, but we decided for the long-term health of the hotel, it was the right thing to do. And so we did that. We closed. We got at it, um, we did the work, um, and then we reopened uh, as we progressively reopened parts of the hotel um, to get, get back open and get business going again. And it took another about six months before everything was completed. All our new F&B offerings were open, our club lives and everything uh, that we were working on had been completed. So were you able to do a lot of that construction, that more heavy construction during the pandemic? Because I know initially, everything closed down, including construction. And then at various times, some of that construction resumed. Did you have any stops and goes and through that process? Yeah. We, we did to be to be transparent. It was it was uh, some of the unfortunate timing that we had to deal with. We we did a lot of the demolition and then some of the, the regulations closed us down from a construction standpoint. And again, there was there was other stuff we could be doing rather than construction. It, it did give us a bit of a time delay, but it, it was out of our control. And so we made the best of the situation. And then once we were able to resume, we got right back at it and picked up the work that we were doing. So when you talk about the work that you did do during that time, you looked at it more as a repositioning as opposed to even a re a renovation more than anything. Um, what was part of the belief in doing a, a repositioning of the Sheridan brand? That's obviously more of a Marriott decision as one of its brands. But what did the company want to accomplish by doing this repositioning? Sheridan brand has existed for a long, long time. Um, it was obviously trying to maybe breathe a little bit of different life into the brand. Can we talk a little bit about that, you know, the, the focus of that repositioning? Yeah, so there was, you know, obviously Sheridan brand was playing a part in this. Marriott was playing playing a part in this. Our ownership was playing a part in this. And I think, you know, the great part about it is that there was alignment that because our hotel is such an iconic place in Toronto, uh, if we were going to do it, we wanted to do it right. And we wanted to deliver something that, you know, shifted the 
some of the offerings and, and the way that the Sheridan Center Toronto specifically position themselves. And so a lot of that has to do with those spaces that our customers and guests spend a lot of their time when they're not sleeping, right? So it's our lobby space, it's our motor court, it's our club lounge, it's our pool deck. Um, and so we didn't want to just do, um, you know, carpet paint and, you know, some ceiling work. We wanted to really, when we reopened our doors, when you walked through, you, you would be able to notice that, wow, something has changed. And so um, I can tell you a little bit about that and kind of walk be wonderful. What, our, yeah. what our desire was. So, you know, we started that work literally in the motor court and it was partially because it was operationally, we needed to make some improvements because sometimes logistically, and if you think from a guest standpoint, the arrival and departure experience is the first and last thing you remember about a hotel. And so we knew we had to do something differently out there. So we added some more entry points. We closed off some entry points, uh, removed some barriers that were in there and really made it a, a conducive uh, area for people to arrive and depart. And our, our teams have done a great job out there making sure that that experience is what we really desired it to be. Mm -hmm. But then after that, we we basically looked at the front of the hotel and it was, it was a lot of stonework and a lot of iron work. And we, we just took it off. And we said, you know what? If someone's driving up and when you look, when you come into our motor court now, the lighting is different, the paint yes. is lighter, it feels brighter. But more importantly, when you drive in, that because we don't have that barrier, you feel like you're in our lobby and you could feel that, ex that energy and that excitement that's happening behind that glass. And that's what we really wanted to do. And so when you walk in, the lobby really, this is the, the hub of our community. And, and when we built this, we wanted it to be for our hotel guests. We also wanted it to be for locals to be able to come in and enjoy our space. And we had to activate it. We had to do something that was compelling in that space. And so what we did is we brought our food and beverage experience into the lobby space. And so we really wanted to reimagine that traditional food and beverage hotel um, offering. And what we've, what we've developed is our one food and beverage concept called dual citizen. And so dual citizen sits right in the middle of our lobby. It activates the space and it's really meant to cater to everyone, no matter what you're there for. So you can eat and you can spend time on your, on your time, how you want, where you want, and when you want. And so from a food and beverage offering, you can go down, you can grab a coffee and you know a, a, a quick bite to eat. You can sit down and be served by one of our servers. You can have food delivered to your room. Uh, and, and so it really caters to that. The seating in general, when we looked at it, we said, you know, not everyone's going to be here for dining. Some people are here for social, some people are here for meetings. And so when you look at the seating spaces, there's couches, there's communal tables where you can all gather. Um, there's traditional dining seating. So no matter what you're there for, we can accommodate that. And that food and beverage experience goes from a great breakfast offering to a really good lunch and into dinner and cocktails in the evening time. And so that name dual citizen was meant to play off the fact that there's duality in the space, but there's also talks about our customers because they're here for business and leisure. They're here from all around the world. And so really this is this, this dual citizen concept. What we also did was we understand that people have to take phone calls and sometimes they want to have meetings. And so we added uh, three soundproof booths. So if you need to take a quick phone call, you walk in, you shut the door, you can't hear anything that's happening in the lobby, but the glass fronts and it's a little bit elevated so that you can still see what's happening, but you're not in the middle of all the noise. Uh, and then right behind that, we have two uh, studios so that if you needed to actually have a meeting for six or eight people, you can either rent it ad hoc or through our sales team. You can go in there. It's all wired for sound. So you don't have to worry about audio visual. You can plug in and be efficient and get a meeting done. And so the, the thought behind that was there is no reason to ever have to leave our lobby. And so what's resulted is 
it's that space is fully activated. People are loving the experience. And so we 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 love that. We thought we were we hit the mark and said, what else can we do? And so what else we added a second bar? Because if one's good, two's even better. And so that's what we added 43 down. And so 43 down is distinctly different from dual citizen because this is where it's more our mixology and culinary showcase. And if you're looking for the smoke and the fire and the show of, our, of cocktails, uh, this is where you go for that. And so that is distinctly different from dual citizen, but even the food. So in dual citizen, our food, we call it work food. So it should be food that is able to be eaten very easily. So I don't have to worry about when you and I are having a conversation about mm -hmm. eating big clumsy food. It's, it's really succinct and, and, and good to eat. In 43 Down, it's a bit more of an experience from the culinary standpoint. So this is where they get super creative. Um, it's really local, really reflective of our, of our city. Um, and it changes quite often. Really, honestly, four, every four to six weeks, we're changing the menu in there because seasonalities change and sure. taste change. And so we really focused on that. I think, you know, that was the whole concept of the lobby space. But throughout this, what we really wanted to do is if we were if we were working on the physical space, we also wanted to upskill our associates. And so we spent a lot of time, uh, you know, taking, for example, our bartenders and making them mixologists, our coffee servers and making them baristas. And so we really wanted to invest in them because investing in our people is so important. And they're the ones that are going to bring that experience mm -hmm. to life. And so it was very important to us to spend that time with our team members uh, so they could deliver that on a daily basis. And so that lobby space now has completely transformed. I can't tell you how many times I, I, I'm in the lobby or I'm meeting with a customer in the lobby. They walk in and they just say, wow, what happened here? It's completely different. And so I, I think we really did a great job on that. We also did our club lounge. So our club lounge is on the 43rd floor. And we had a half club lounge, half meeting space up there. But because it's so popular, uh, we decided to expand the entire space to be club lounge. Making it, though, what we did was we built certain, uh, we built it in a certain way that we can also sell it for private events. And so that uh, also has a, a flexibility to space. But we really want to double down on that. Again, bringing that barista and that mixology culture up there. Uh, completely transform what the space looks like. And in the side, so on the one side that was Club Lounge, it's, uh, I, I'd like to call it more of the social space. So it's higher ceilings, it's north and south views of our city. Uh, and it really is the popular space. On the other side, where we had the meeting space, uh, we did another uh, food service over there, but it's more of a self-service experience. So during the day, if you just want to grab a quick latte or something, a bottle of water, whatever, you can go to that space uh, and it can be cross-functioning again for private events and whatnot. Same thing to be said, actually, for 43 Down. We, we built that in a way that we can sell it for private events as well. So That's we great. have these. Yeah, so we have these great, we call it specialty spaces, where if uh, a meeting planner or someone's looking for a unique space for you know, 75 to 150 people, we can sell these spaces and not and take them out of the banquet space um, that we have. The last real key thing that we did was we worked in our pool deck. So we completely renovated our pool deck. Um, you know, it's one of our key features. It's right in the middle of the city. Uh, it's a full-size pool, so you can swim laps, so you can just go and enjoy it. It's heated, it's it's outdoor, outdoor, indoor, uh, and it's open year-round. So there's nothing better than the middle of January to go swimming outside in the pool. Uh, but what we did with that as well is we um, actually renovated one side of it that was kind of dead space before and made it more into event space. And so now we have an additional event space on top of a waterfall garden that we can do anywhere from three to 600 people outdoors, That's which amazing. is very very uncommon for downtown Toronto. So 
yeah, so we're very proud of that. It was it was great to be going through the experience and and to be able to design that. And and our our team members love it. They they have an immense sense of pride in the hotel just from 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 where we were before, but now it's just even more more uh, amplified. Well, you've done a wonderful job. And, and when you were talking about the lobby, I mean, that lobby is a real hub there. When you walk in, there's a lot of energy. Um, I mean, you can sit down and, you know, look at your emails or you can do whatever else you want to do, but there's a real sense of energy and vibrancy in there. And even getting into the hotel is much more fluid now when you, you know, when you drive in with your car, it just yep. feels like it works a lot more effectively. So you've done a great yep. job. And then I would assume the guest rooms have all been upgraded as well um, yeah we just did, we just did those in 2016 so you know eventually we'll start looking at those but you know one of the other things that we did uh in the last renovation was we really focused on artwork and you know I, I, as long as i've been in hotels there's been artwork in rooms and whatnot and there's you know what there's not much of a story to them oftentimes but what we wanted to do is we wanted to partner with canadian artists bring some massive installations into our space, but all of them have to have a story. And so, you know, everything from the trilliums above our um, escalators to the, the, the rendering of Lake Ontario in our motor court, uh, it's been really great to watch that. It's really local and all of our associates know those stories so that when I'm conversing with you in the lobby, I can tell you the story between about some of these pieces of artwork. So that's fabulous. Yeah. So Tim, when you look at all the um, all the changes that you've made, how much money was spent on this renovation or, or repositioning? Um, <laughs> considerable amount, <laughs> enough to make a difference. <laughs> uh-huh. So um, I would say that you know, from an owner perspective, um, they they wanted to invest enough that you would be able to see a change in the space. So millions of dollars without yes. getting into specifics. Okay. Yes. You should be in business for yourself, but not by yourself. With more than 25 years as a hospitality leader in Canada, one thing remains the same. Our dedicated Canadian team works closely with our franchisees to give them the personalized guidance and tools they need to succeed. Choice Hotels Canada offers a portfolio of well-segmented brands. Visit choicehotelsdevelopment.com to learn more. So one of the things you've touched on in in describing what you've done, and, and you've done it very nicely, is the importance of the associates. And you talked about, uh, you know, training to bring them up to next levels, whether it's baristas or mixologists or or what have you. You have a lot of associates, you have a big hotel. Uh, Training and development has got to be a huge focus for you with those numbers that you're looking at. And we also know that the world has changed in the last three years. I'm sure you've lost a lot of people through the pandemic, people who have left the industry. And um, replacing those people is always a big challenge for the industry. What have you done in this area? Um, you know, what kind of work has had to be done because of the changes that have been fueled by the pandemic? And how are you perhaps doing training and development a little bit differently these days than what you were doing prior to the pandemic? Uh, well, a couple of different things. You know, when we when we reopened and we started bringing our associates back, because our, our business recovered last year, and it was it was you know. We were closed down basically for Q1 and then April and May, we saw that people, you know, for us, meetings are very important. So in April and May, people are starting to get comfortable being back in person. Uh, And then in June, it kind of just took off. And so we were in this status of bringing all of our associates back, but also to your point, having to rehire uh, a lot, um, you know, of, of these positions. And so what we did was it didn't matter how long you'd been here. And I have, I've been open for 50 years. 
um, going on 51. We celebrated three associates who have been here since day one of the hotel opening. Yeah. And so if that says anything, the tenure of our associates is anywhere from five days to 50 years. And I have lots of folks that have been here, you know, 20, 25, 30 and on uh, years. And so when we reopened, we recognized that a lot of uh, our associates weren't here for quite some time. And so we put everyone through reorientation and they had to go through just like it was day one. Um, talking about the hotel, talking about the brand. You know, a lot of the a lot of the training that we're doing is everything that I described because when we built these these concepts of food and beverage, it's important that not only the food and beverage associates know about it, but that our room attendants and our front desk team and everyone knows about those. So that was integrated into that reorientation of, of our associates as they came back. Um, on top of that, you know, some, some of the programs that we have are available virtually now. I think that's something that uh, the pandemic showed us that people can learn virtually and sometimes it's easier, you know, if you can log on in your own time to get things done. And some things have to be done in person, like our orientation. So there's a fine balance there between what we do, but we've invested a lot of time into that. And as we bring on new associates, there's a comprehensive orientation and then a retraining through because it's one thing to orient them when they first come in, but then once people are in this hotel, it's a it's a big hotel, and they we you know I always joke with people I say you know the first two months I was here I probably got lost eight times you know <laughs> found myself in stairwells I didn't know where I was but that was okay that's how I learned. Right. Um, but uh, as they get more more uh, comfortable with spaces, we continue to reorient them. One thing that we have done though is we've hired a training manager, and that's all this individual does. We share them between a couple of hotels, but this individual she's amazing at what she does. Um, and her whole focus is training. And so the, the, the brand has come out with some new brand training. We're going to be rolling that out through our hotel. It talks about all the new Sheridan concepts and some of the new programs through Marriott. But hiring one dedicated resource isn't something we had before, but it's, it, is, it is so key and important before our associates that we felt it was an important investment. And have you found it more challenging to hire employees these days? I mean, we've all heard stories about, you know, ghosting. You'll hire somebody, they come, they come in to work for two days and then they're gone. Yeah. Um, heard about millennials. We've heard about, you know, Gen Z, uh, Z who doesn't want to uh, work in the same way that, you know, baby boomers worked. What are you finding on that end of it? Um, I, I'll say this. I, when we first reopened, I, I, I put a lot of, importance and a lot of equity in the culture of our hotel and the culture of our company. And so I think that plays a lot in when people are looking for a place to work. And so we value people. We our, our, our mantra is to put people first. And that comes through in a lot of what we do, whether it was in the pandemic or what we just do in our daily lives here. And so um, has recruiting been a challenge? Yes. Um, I think that we've had a lot of success in that regards. I mean, last year we hired over 250 people uh, back in the hotel. So there was a lot of, a lot of emphasis on that, but, you know, we pull on the, on the, the Marriott brand as well as the Sheridan center brand. Uh, I think our company has a lot of benefits that, you know, you wouldn't realize unless we tell you about them from everything from explore rates to, you know, benefits within the hotel. Like we have a associate gym here in the hotel. And so that's something that people could take advantage of uh, while they're working with us. Some of the other things that we've done, um, it, which has been you know, groundbreaking, is we've looked at flexible working for our leaders. And if you can imagine, you know, there's certain departments that typically would have the flexibility of working from home or working remotely um, for their business. But we've taken that one step further and we said, OK, just because you're an operational leader doesn't mean that you can't sometimes work from home. And if that's a you know one day of work week or whatever suits your 
style mm-hmm. and your lifestyle, we want to make sure that we're accommodating to that. And so, you know, we are, we are in the people business. So there's, you know, we're in the hotel and doing stuff, but if, you know, there's a day where you're doing schedules and, you know, ordering and all that stuff, you can do just as much from home as you can do from here. We want to be able to make sure that we're, we're accommodating to that. Um, to your point about the, the new generation and, you know, ghosting and all that stuff, we've had some of that. Um, I, I think it's more important, you know, I think about, in my career, I've been very fortunate to have some great mentors and they've, they've seemed to be a key parts of my career. Um, and I think it's important and I have a responsibility now to mentor others. And this isn't, this is not like a formal mentorship program. It wasn't when I was coming through the industry. It's just someone that takes genuine interest in you and your career. And if that's either one-on-one or working with some of the, um, the colleges and universities that we do, um, it's important to do that as a, you know, because I think, there's the hotel industry in general gets a, a bad rap for thinking that you have to work long hours and mm-hmm. you know you have to give up your life and all these things that aren't necessarily true um you know if i think again back to my career have i yes but i, I loved what i was doing it wasn't work to me i just enjoyed doing it um and so i think if you can give perspective and guidance and you know understanding what some of the better choices are or where you know the opportunities that people have in different positions it's you know some people resonate to housekeeping some people resonate to sales and that's just finding your place but as you're coming and starting in the industry you have to give everything a fair chance to understand what each one's about so you can find really where you're at your career best and you know the, the timing seems to be important is it you know is it one year is it a year and a half or whatever and it's it's more about get everything out of the experience so that you can build on your get your building blocks together for your next part of your career so I know you work with George Brown and Seneca and you try to, uh, you know, work with the schools to, to affect change at that level. Um, what are you, what are you relaying back to the schools from a hospitality perspective to help, you know, the, the new graduates coming out, perhaps look at hospitality in a more realistic light. Um, I think, as you said, sometimes hospitality gets a bad rap, long hours and what have you, what are you, you know, affecting with the schools to try to change that, I guess. Well, I think it's a lot of what I said, educating them just on what the offerings are, what some of the benefits are. I think there's importance for classroom experience, but then the practical experience is very important as well. And so I think a lot of the conversations around, you know, what what role does the college play and what feedback do we give them as an industry as to what they need to be teaching in class versus, okay, when they come here, we need to spend time with them in the practical and say, okay, now this is what you learned. Here's how you apply it. And I think then when you're able to do that, it resonates a bit more with them. And I think the college has done a great job. They have some, you know, great, uh, great talent coming out of there. They have great mentorship, actual formalized mentorship programs that we participate in. And I think that's really where the difference is made uh, when we actually actually get into the schools in front of the students. And I can tell my story or, you know, any of my leaders can tell their stories of you know, how they found themselves in the industry, some of the, the, the challenges they've had and how they've overcome them and how they get to this point where they are today today because I think if you have someone you can you know resonate with that's important. So Tim would you ever um, explore the idea of more internship programs or co-ops whatever you want to call them placement programs with the schools because when you talk about you know what they learn at school and then when they come into the hotel you have to train them to your style and what you want uh, would that not make sense that those internship or placement programs would help the students make those uh, transitions even before they graduate? 
and we do a lot of that a lot and I, I, you're right there is a, a absolute value in uh, internships uh, or even just you know if they're not interested in internship programs you know hiring them into positions and understanding where they came from and there's a responsibility as well in hotels is once you get the talent in to make sure that you are investing in them uh, to learn those key in parts of because the, many of these associates or are, are, are students want to be leaders and so there's a, a bit of a learning curve that we have to teach them but from a merit perspective we have a great we call it voyager it's basically a manager and training program uh where we invest in the best talents coming out of some of the universities and colleges and we bring them into our hotels and it's a formalized program that they go through and you know i can if i look back to interns and our voyagers these have had immense success if we track where they've where they've studied and then into a hotel and where they've gone to there's a great progression of that talent into our hotels and so yeah i think internships and any type of mentorship with this new talent is critical so if we can segue to a, a bit of a different area um you know when i look at the pandemic the use of technology really accelerated during the pandemic both on the restaurant side with apps and on the hotel side in different ways and when you're talking about staffing challenges, one of the solutions that keeps being thrown out these days is robotics, AI. Um, and I know we had our housekeeping forum a few weeks ago when we had some robotics on display there and people get a little concerned about it. You know, they don't want it to be replacing people's jobs and nobody wants that. But there is an opportunity for technology to make, to improve customer service because you can, you know, remove the repetitive, more mundane tasks. Is that an area that you would look at for housekeeping or in the hotels to explore uh, using it in very, you know, various limited ways? Is that something you would look at? Well, I, I think we're already doing it and, and something that we do look at. I, I will say this, we are in the people business, so people will not be replaced in our industry. Sure. And, you know, if anything COVID had shown us, it was that people have a need to be in person. They have a need to meet uh, and they want that human interaction. What we do more is we look at those non-value added or transactional steps that a guest has to go through while they're with us and try to eliminate those through technology. And for those to happen, there's, there's a human element that needs to make that come to life. And what we want to make sure is that if we offer these conveniences that we deliver on them, because there's nothing more disappointing than it not working, right? Uh, you want it to work. And, you know, nowadays, if, if it, whether it's texting or you know, using an app for car services or whatever, speed is important. And in the minute it's delayed a, a fraction of a second, then frustration. It's, it's frustration. And so we've looked at things like we have, you can check into your room, you can get your key on your phone, you can chat with one of our associates downstairs if you need a guest request item, uh, you can check out, you can order your food to your room if you like uh, mm -hmm. through our mobile app, and you can ask for your car to be picked up from Valet all through your phone. And so those are the transactions. What we do is then we we double down on those interactions and those hero moments that we can have where people want to spend their time. And so, you know, if that's, you know, make sure we get their guest requests to their room faster, or, you know, make sure they're, we're focusing on their room and cleaning their room in a way um, that's important to us. And, you know, there's certain customers who this resonates with and they love to use it. Um, and I've talked to people who say, you know, what? I go to check in because I, I want to talk to people sure. and that's okay. And so that's, that's, we're giving our customers that choice. But I yes. think what's happened is we're, we're at a whole different level now with technology. It's not no longer a nice to have, it's an expectation. And so our business has to evolve with that. But 
the bottom line is that, you know, they're, we're in the people business and, and we need people to make that our, our sure. experience come to life. How about on the sustainability front? Um, you know, I think in the past, there was a lot of focus um, on improving uh, the way the hotels operate from a sustainability point of view. And then I think through the pandemic, it kind of took a back burner because there were more pressing problems. But I feel that it's been resurfacing a lot more in the last year or so. Um, what is your hotel doing on the sustainability front to ensure that, you know, uh, you're, you're being mindful of energy and, uh, and food waste and anything else that really is part of that whole package? Well, I, you know, for us, I think, you know, we, we know the importance of being good global citizens and we want to operate in a way um, that is not harmful to our environment or to where we live. And so that's very important to us. And so we've made, you know, simple changes, like just changing our lights out from halogen to LED. And it's had significant impact on our sustainability efforts. We just won the uh, five key eco rating from Green uh -huh. Keys for a lot of stuff that we're doing. And so we're always looking for ways to be more sustainable. One of the things we recently done have, have done was, you know, food waste is always a, a, a question or a concern uh, in hotels. And so and we look internally of you know, let's not produce as much food and make sure we have less waste. And that's important. But when you're operating in a banquet environment, there's sometimes there is food waste. It's, it's what happens after that. And so we have implemented a system where we actually distill our food waste. Um, the compost goes to farms and actually the water that comes out of it, we use to water our gardens and clean our loading dock and stuff like that. So there's zero waste in that. Um, and it's a system that works. And so that's just an example how we're always looking to see you know, what's next from a sustainability standpoint. Um, and you know, we're, we've got a, a green council here in the hotel that is constantly doing that. And so it's very important for us. COVID may have uh, put us on the, you know, it may have paused a little bit during that time, but it's, it's back. We're very much focused on it and our company is very much focused on it. It's, it's part of our initiative. So yeah, we are, we are definitely, um, looking at ways to be more sustainable. Fabulous. Um, and, and I want to, I guess, touch on your role with um, within the Creator Toronto Hotel Association. I know you've been chair. I think this is the second year of it. Is it two-year terms? Yeah, second. I'm, I'm actually going into my third. Third. <laughs> oh, you're going to another. Yes. Okay. You're not leaving. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're not going to let you leave. You've no. done a wonderful job on that association. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about that role um, and just in terms of promoting Toronto, I know that, you know, it's been a tough three years for the city and, and, and for the country as a destination. Um, what, what's going on, I guess, to renew some of those efforts to drive more tourists to the city and how are hotels responding to that? It's a huge challenge. I know the city's going through some, uh, some difficult periods right now from, you know, congestion and traffic and all sorts of other issues. So what is that? How has that impacted you uh, as chair of that association? So, I, you know, being chair of it, it, it's basically the, the largest hotel community in our country. Um, and we've got a new president and CEO, Sarah Angel. And, you know, our conversations are, you know, how do we advocate for our members on the things that matters most to them? Um, and we take that very seriously. And so, you know, when the pandemic happened, like I said, we were the first to be impacted and it showed really how fragile our business was. What also came out of it was, you know, we've, we've got a lot of work to do just from education uh, from the city and to the province and really to the, the country of, you know, how many jobs we create, how much 
business we are responsible for in the city. And that's not just hotel business, right? It's all the business that we, you know, generate for restaurants and venues and all those things in between. And so we need to be able to tell that story um, and then really focus on how we're impacting our business positively. And so for us, it's how do we work with the city to activate Toronto during low demand times like Q1? Like what do we do to make that value proposition of coming to Toronto during those times that much more uh, important? Um, how do we, um, for instance, you know, talk about incenting hotels, what kind of incentives are there to reinvest in hotels for owners and for, for brands to make sure that we are making our, our hotels more sustainable or more attractive or whatever, whatever that is. Um, and then really focusing on how we're working with some of those, some of those um, learning institutions to really develop those next generation of leaders. And so we, are, we ourselves are going through and how we're working with all these other stakeholders to help them understand how important our business is to the city of Toronto. And how important is it? I mean, in terms of dollar value, what are, what are we generating as a hotel community in Toronto? A, a, a lot. When you look at, we look at numbers, whether it's Toronto or across our province, there's, it depends on how you look at it from revenue standpoint, from tax dollars, it's a significant portion. And then, you know, we extrapolate that across other, other industries. It's, it's pretty significant. What would you like to see done differently to promote the city as a destination? I mean, we have a lot of good results, you know, with it being a diverse city, you know, multiculturalism, it's a vibrant city, but there's also things that can be improved to, to make this a more attractive draw from your position as the GM of one of the largest hotels in the city, but also as chair of the association. What would you like to see done differently? Well, you know what? We have a great relationship, uh, whether it's the GTHA or, or the hotel community. We have a great relationship with Destination Toronto. And I think that's, you know, one of the key um, people that we work with or, or, or um, businesses that we work with on bringing attention and bringing major conventions into our city. I think that's very important. And I think the education portion with some of our, our governments is it's not always about the, the leisure. It, we need to focus on large group into our hotels and into our city because that's very important. I will say just traveling, you know, outside of Toronto, we've got a great reputation. People are, you know, if they know us, they love us. And if they don't know us, once they get to know us, love the city for everything, everything you said. It's the diversity. It's the, what we have to offer from a food and beverage experience, what we have to offer from hotels and, and, and attractions and whatnot. Um, and they're very drawn to that. So we, I think we just need to tell that story a bit more and get that out more. And I, that's in, in the works and the, and the team at Destination Toronto and the teams within the hotels are doing a great job doing that. Um, I think we've got a bit of an opportunity to, to clean the city up just a little bit that we're working on with the city on what those initiatives look like. Um, you know, it's something that we all, are seeing and something that we need to fix. But I, I think everyone has a vested interest in that and that with time that will come. Uh, but I think it's really more about putting our putting ourselves really on this global map uh, for meetings and events and for, for a destination. Do you think the airport challenges have been addressed that you would like to see addressed? I, I will tell you, I asked whenever I do either sales sites or I talk to customers, the first thing I ask them is, how was your experience arriving into Toronto? Uh, and I've traveled a couple of times in the past couple of months and I, it's night and day, you know, uh, from getting in and getting out uh, some of the, the services that they offer from an app perspective, the in and out of security um, and everything, you know, getting through the gates has improved drastically. And when my clients are telling me, 
I, it was great. It was, there was no problem, you know, then that's great. I think that every city, you know, once you get to the airport and get downtown, the, you know, traffic's a bit of an issue and getting down here. But it, it's funny, though, the more people learn about the Epic Express, the more apt they are to use it to be able to get in and out of the city. Yeah, it's a great system to help in that respect. So, Tim, the last three years have obviously been challenging for everyone in the industry and, and across other industries as well. Um, how do you feel about the future of, of the business specifically moving forward? And, and what do you think is the greatest change or challenge that you anticipate for your own business specifically, but for the hotel community in Toronto? Um, well, I, I think the outlook is good. I, I think everyone is right now talking a little bit about the R word uh, in the future, if there's going to be a recession or not. But I think we need to, you know, time will tell what that looks like and how impactful it is for us here in Toronto. Um, I think, you know, coming out of the pandemic, we've been able to get talent back into our hotels. I think it has, has taught us that we do need to tell more about the, the benefits of working in our buildings. But I could, uh, over the last six months, we have some great people that have joined us. And so it, it makes me encouraged for the industry. Um, I think, uh, again, it's more about, you know, we're busy. We're busy as a, as a, as a market. Uh, and that's a great thing to have. And we need to continue to focus on that moving forward to make sure that we're maximizing our, our hotels throughout the year. And so there's some, like I was talking about during low demand times, I think we could probably do a bit more work there. But all in all, I think we have come together as a community and we're really focused on making our hotels better. And you can see that throughout the city. Any big takeaways that you've had in the last three years as lessons that you've learned? And, and I, I'd be interested even as a leader to know how your leadership style has changed due to the pandemic and how maybe you've grown in that role because of it. Yeah, well, you know what? It was, it, I can tell you, as you talk to any uh, person who works in hotels, it was not an easy time. Uh, but it exemplified for me um, this, this concept of leading with care and, and making sure that we are, you know, to our company's, uh, you know, belief of putting people first, it's when times are tough, those, that's when it's more important uh, to make sure that we're living by those values. Um, and that just that, you know, I, I watched over three years of random acts of kindness and people reaching out, people taking care of one another. And, you know, we talk about that as being as a family, but when you see it come to life during the most difficult times, uh, it really resonates and it, it impacts the way that you, that you lead. And so I, I thought that was a very valuable experience for me. Um, I think what we did with the hotel um, really to, to do a complete 180, um, there's a lot of, stakeholders and people involved, right? And so it was a great thing to have everyone aligned on one vision uh, and to look at every possible avenue and how we were gonna bring this hotel and these new concepts to life. And so I think that, you know, that impacted me in general as, as a leader, but I think it was more the people part and how we all came together as one uh, over a very difficult time. And that resonates to today. Well, I think you put it very nicely and succinctly. And um, I know just talking to people who work for you, you're very well respected. And, and I think that leading with care um, really personifies who you are. So uh, again, I wanted to congratulate you on your recent award and everything that you've done at the Sheridan Hotel to, to capitalize on the 50 years of growth and to bring it to the next uh, to the next level. So thank you so much for being here today, uh, spending some some time with us. I know you're busy. And I look forward to seeing you real soon. Great. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for your time as well. All right. You take care, Tim. Thank you.
Bye-bye. We appreciate you joining us for this episode of the Checking In Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd love for you to rate and review our show. Also, make sure you never miss an episode by clicking the subscribe button. For additional resources related to today's episode, please visit our website, hoteliermagazine.com. Until next time.